Hi, my name is Steve Thomas, lead pastor of the First Baptist Church of Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged as together we open God's word and consider how it applies to our lives. Thank you so much, Phil and praise team. I just am so grateful for you, buddy. I just want to give Phil a little round of applause if you don't mind. I hope you're blessed by him. He's a such a gifted and talented uh, worship leader, and I'm blessed to have you with us, Phil, and on our team, and um, you're a constant blessing to me, my brother, and uh, uh, you're young enough to be my son, but you're experienced enough to be my mentor almost, so um, uh, great to have you this morning, and uh, this morning, we're in week four of a series called Make Him Known about Jonah. And uh, our whole theme this year is to make him known. And if we think about Jonah, we're thinking about engaging culture. And how do we function in this culture? How do we function uh, as we are supposed to be the disciples of Jesus Christ? And really, the way we want to do that this year is we want to know Jesus, right? If I don't know Jesus, I really don't have much to share, right? But if I know Jesus, and we're going to do a lot with that in a couple of weeks, we're going to begin a series back in Mark talking about what was Jesus really like? What did he value? What, what kinds of ideas did he have? How did he approach people? So we want to know Jesus. We also want to know others. We want to know others. What are the people in our culture like? How can I connect with them? And then we want to intentionally make Jesus known. So that's our goal this year, to make Jesus known in our culture. And uh, today we're going to be in Jonah chapter 3. If you're new to us, we preach out of the Bible. And uh, I would encourage you always to bring a copy of Scripture or to open your app on your phone or your iPad. Um, Or if you have it memorized, that's fine as well. Uh, But Jonah is after Obadiah. So if you don't know where that is, good luck. Just go to the table of contents. It's about that far in, okay? Can you see that? I don't know if that helps you. Um, But Jonah is an Old Testament prophet. He was a known prophet. He was quoted in 2 Kings. He was a known man of God. Jesus talks about Jonah a couple of times in the New Testament. So this is not just a myth. Jesus talks about him as though he was a real person, as though these events actually happened. So I believe Jesus, and I believe what he said is accurate. So I believe the book of Jonah is a description of actual events. So we've seen Jonah go through um, some amazing times, haven't we? First, God's word comes to Jonah and says, hey, go to Nineveh, Jonah, and cry out against them. Turns out Nineveh's the enemy. Nineveh's Nineveh's about 500 miles away. Jonah says, I don't really think that's what I want to do, God. And I'm going to go the exact opposite. I'm going to get on a ship. I'm going to get on the Mediterranean Sea, and I'm going to go for a Spanish vacation, amen, to a place called Tarshish, to the exotic, to the end of the known world. It's beyond where Hilda Robertson goes on her cruises. She's been around the world. She's proven that the world probably isn't flat. Amen? You think so? I mean, hey, if you're a flat earther, I get it. Um, He wants to go to the end of the world. I mean, have you ever wanted to get away from God so bad and what he wanted you to do that you're going to go to the end of the world? Hilda had. No, that's not why you went, was it? (laughs) 
But there's a sense that I want to get away and I want to go to Tarshish. And if you've been with us, you know that Tarshish is the symbol of getting away from God. Substitutes for God. Reaching, getting as far away from his purpose as you can. It's the things that we reach for instead of God himself. It's everything from vacations to money to pleasure to all those things. to say, God, I just don't want to do what you want me to do. I'm tired of it. I've done my part. And I'm going to make a run for it. And maybe you won't see me is almost what it feels like, right? He gets on the ship. You know what happens? Ship, God raises up a storm. And we saw that God has unlimited amount of instruments to use to bring his people back, doesn't he? We asked the question a couple weeks ago, has God ever brought you back? Has he retrieved you? And literally the storm causes Jonah ultimately to be thrown into the sea. And to his credit, he says, throw me in the sea, the the storm will calm, otherwise we're all going to die, at least I'll just be the only one to die. Kind of foreshadows Christ a little bit. One died so others could live. Throw him in the ocean. He goes down, down, down. We don't know how far, but way, way down. And he feels like he is definitely dying. And a fish collects Jonah, swallows him, and Jonah prays. Jonah prays in the belly of the fish, seeing that fish as God's provision of rescue. To me, it feels like going from the frying pan into the fire. You know, it's like, all right, so now I'm going to drown. Now I'm eating. How is this going to get any better, right? Now I get to enjoy the gastric juices of a great fish, right? But in the belly of the fish, when God has hemmed in Jonah, Jonah prays. He really Praise, and we said last week, it's so important for us, for those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus, that when you are hemmed in, as it says in Psalm 139, he hems me in behind him before, and he lays his hand on me. And when we're hemmed in, when we find ourselves in the belly of the fish, when we find ourselves in God's retrieval process, for us to really pray and not just talk about prayer. You know what talking about prayer is like, right? So when you say, hey, would you pray for me? And yeah, I'll pray for you. Man, I need prayer. I need lots of prayer. But you never actually pray. You never actually spend any real time before the Lord saying, God, would you interpret this for me? Because I just don't really get it. God, God, would you help me process what's happened? Because I'm in the belly of a fish, I'm pretty sure. Or a whale or some huge sea creature. God, have you really prayed? Jonah really prays, and because he's in this fish, he sees it as God's provision that God is going to rescue him, and he repents. He says, I remembered you, Lord. I remembered you. I remembered that I'm actually supposed to be your mouthpiece, your communicator. I remember why you called me out from just among my people to be your prophet, one who speaks your word. I remembered that when I was in this Sea creature trolling the depths of the Mediterranean. I remembered you, Lord. And I said, I will complete my vow. Because he's rescued me, I will do what he's called me to do. And then we find ourselves 
the end of chapter 2, beginning in chapter 3. And we see what Jonah actually does. Thursday night, I was sitting at a stoplight about 7.30. was going to see Dave and Robin Craig, great couple and family in our church. And uh, suddenly, from behind, I was hit by another car. And uh, the, the cars look like this. Put that up there, if you would. Um, in an instant, your life can change, can't it? I got out of the car. I couldn't believe I could walk. And so grateful for God's protection. Uh, I'm in the black car, incidentally. Um, your life can change in just an instant. I believe God protected me, seatbelts, safety, all that. Um, but it's able to walk away from that, but realizing it could have been much worse. Amen. Many of you have been through worse, I'm sure. Many of you have nearly died in, in a number of other ways, whether it's a medical emergency or at war or in a auto accident. But, boy, when you realize what could happen, it changes the way you, you think, doesn't it? You start thinking, man, this, this could have been it. Really glad I got that life insurance a few days ago. Julie is, really, for sure. If you need help with that, see me afterwards. I can steer you in the right direction. Um, <laughs> here's what I want you to understand, though. When those kinds of things happen to you, it's really important for us to process that before the Lord. And you start to realize the... Unbelievable things God has done. Food tastes better. The ones you love are even more wonderful. The opportunity to stand here before you today and preach God's message is just incredible that I get to do this. I'm so grateful. Isn't that what salvation is supposed to be spiritually? Isn't that what it means to be a follower of Jesus? That I've come to the point that I've realized I can't get there alone and I need to die to myself. Just like I could have died in that car accident. Galatians 2.20 says it this way, and I love this from the Apostle Paul. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to be crucified with Christ. I want to willingly give up my life so that Christ can live in me. See, following Jesus isn't just a little transaction that we make with God to say, okay, I think I'll follow you, and I'll, I'll do what you want, and I'll live. No, it is dying. It's saying, God, I want to die to who I used to be. That's what we always say when we baptize, isn't it? we dead to who I used to be and raised to walk as a new person, right? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is the same old sluggard he used to be, right? 
But anyone who's in Christ, he's the same old crab, an annoying person, and who's trying to get people to, to try to manipulate people and get his own way. No, that's not what it says, is it? If anyone's in Christ, he's the same workaholic he used to be. If anyone's in Christ, he's the same unfaithful person he used to be. If anyone's in Christ, no. If anyone's in Christ, he is a new person, a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Let me ask you, whatever your spiritual background, whatever your church background, let me just ask you very candidly, did you become a new creation? Did the old person die and a new person take its place? That's what this is all about today. As we look at Jonah, he's about to start a new life. As he gets literally spit out of the jaws of death, he goes to carry out God's call in his life. Look with me, Jonah, beginning in chapter 2, verse 10. As we see what God does through a reluctant prophet who was in his retrieval process. Jonah chapter 2, verse 10 and following. The Bible says this. I love this. The Lord spoke to the fish. How many fishermen out there have ever prayed that, Jim Bast? Boppy? The Lord spoke to the peacock bass. And Don Kite landed him. I mean, it's amazing. It's just an amazing thing, isn't it, just to hear God say that? The Lord spoke to the fish. What kind of control does God have? I think sometimes we walk around thinking, well, God doesn't care about the fish. He doesn't. God spoke to the fish. We could stop right there and say, this God is amazing. Surely he could spoke, speak to me. Surely he could speak to you. He spoke. To the fish. And he stuck his finger down his throat and it vomited out of Jonah, out of. You've done it, to be honest. And it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I love that. You know, I always think that's a picture of repentance, incidentally, you know, because when you get sick, all that grossness, you just get rid of it. It's, anyway, sorry, you're going to eat later, it's going to be fine. Um, <laughs> This is really gross today, Steve. Why don't you listen? He he <laughs> spews Jonah out of his mouth. I love that picture. God spoke to the fish. He spews Jonah out of his mouth. I had a picture in a little kid's Bible when I was a kid, and it literally had Jonah being spewed out of his mouth. I I love that. I mean, I don't know if if there was like a trampoline to catch him or what, but he looks like he's just you know, like shot out of a cannon, you know, like in the circus, and Jonah's in the midair. It's amazing. Um, I, I can say anything I want. I've been in an accident. That's, I can always, whatever I screw up here, honey, it's, it's okay. Huh? I'm on Motrin. <laughs> Y'all just bear with me. Uh, it's great to be with you, incidentally. Um, spew John out on dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. I love it that God doesn't just put Jonah out on dry land and say, Hey, listen, Jonah, you've learned your, lang you've learned your lesson. Just go right on home to your little prophet house on the hill in Jerusalem. 
You know all you need to know now. You know that I'm in control. You know that I can bring you back. Just go back to your condo on the beach in South Beach and everything's going to be fine. He didn't do that, does he? God's a great parent, didn't he? Grabs Jonah by the neck, pulls him back, brings him back to the room that you've refused to clean and said, here's your opportunity to do what I told you to do to begin with. Isn't that incredible? What a gracious God. You see, for most of us, we would think, you know, you've eliminated your right to serve God now because you've run and I've had to send the dog after you to bring you back, right? You don't deserve to serve. No, God says, Jonah, I still have a role for you. I want you to go tell people about me. Isn't that encouraging? No matter how far you've gone, you haven't gone any further than Jonah, I guarantee you. I don't think anybody's been in the belly of a fish. The graciousness of a sovereign God to say, I'm going to go get him. I'm going to bring him back. I'm going to put him on the beach. I'm going to say, dude, 500 miles, Nineveh, get after it. I love it that God didn't just deposit Jonah miraculously, like pick him up with a great pterodactyl and fly him over to Nineveh, right? He's still got 500 miles to go. It's a 30-mile journey on a camel. I mean, sorry, a 30-day journey on a camel. 30 days on a camel. I mean, that's worse than a Yugo or any other kind of car. That's, that's amazing. 30 days I'm going to be on this camel. If, if he got to ride, maybe he had to walk even further. 30 days to get there. So Jonah is pretty committed, right? But God saves you, get this, for a strategic purpose. God doesn't save us and bring us back to do nothing. God saves us for a strategic purpose to tell people about him and his greatness. This is Jonah. He says exactly the same thing as he did the first time. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against the message I'll tell you. It's pretty much the same thing he told him before. Arise, go to Nineveh. So Jonah gets in a boat and goes to Tarshish. No, that's chapter 1. We're in chapter 3 now. We're past the near-death or possible death experience. Incidentally, some people think Jonah actually died and was revived by God. Possible. Possible. doesn't really matter. God could do either. Verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. And here's this is what God's saying. Jonah's resistance is over. He doesn't get spewed out of the belly of the fish and land on the beach and go, okay, what should I do now? He doesn't get the message of God and think, okay, how did, how, is there another way to Tarshish than to get on a boat? Can I walk there? Is there? No, Jonah's resistance is over. How's your resistance to God right now? Where, where's your resistance level with God right now? What, what could he ask you to do that you would say, no way, no how? Or God, I only want to do part of that. I just want to get partial credit for that. God, I only want, what's your resistance to God? Do you have your little template set up that God, I can do this, but no more. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go see those people. Don't like those kind of, what's your resistance level to God? See, Jonah's resistance level is over. I'll travel the 500 miles. I'll go to this great city, and this great city, literally in the original, it's, it's great city to God. or great. It's, it's a city that's important to God. It's a huge city. 
three-mile walk through it is likely what that means. It's three miles in breadth. It's, it's probably 60 miles around. It's, it's probably somewhere between four, five, eight, ten miles all the way through. It's, it's a great city for those days. He goes to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. His resistance is over. Let me ask you, before we go any further, what will it take for you to release your resistance to what God wants you to do? Will it take a trip to Tarshish and a near-death experience? What will it take? What will it take to embrace God's mission for you? Verse 4. Jonah began to go into the city, go on a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. One of the shortest sermons in recorded history. I thought about just coming in today and going, listen, that's all. That's it. That's the whole thing right there. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's the message. It's interesting that it says that Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. Jonah didn't just stand outside the gate and try to shout his way in. Jonah didn't rent a biplane and fly a banner over the city of Nineveh, if you could have done that back then. Jonah didn't get a speaker up on a hill and try to shout into the city. No, Jonah went into the city, a day's journey, which incidentally, in those days, a, a visit had to be, that was kind of a cuss, had to be at least three days. First day, you kind of got there and met people. Second day, you did what you were supposed to do. Third day, you kind of said your goodbyes and left. That was kind of a common thing. So the first day, he would have probably met some dignitaries. He was a, a prophet. He probably had those prophet dress, but he'd been in the belly of a whale. Who knows what he looked like? Was the skin all bleached out? Maybe he was white like me and he used to be dark. I don't know. But so he was somebody that they would have recognized. He had some standing, but he goes into the city. He goes where the people are and where he can be heard. We can do that, can't we? Many of you are in places in our city that none of the rest of us could go. You have access to people the rest of us wouldn't have access to. You're in the city. You're in your neighborhood. You're in your job. You're in your company, in your school. You're around people that I, I can't get to. I love the way that Jonah goes into the city, and he doesn't just barely step in. He goes a day's journey, which is at least a third of the way in probably had many districts inside this city, and he goes in and finds an appropriate place, and he begins to speak. I want to encourage you, go in the city. Go to the people that only you can reach and share your message. He called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. It's interesting, 40 days? Why, why 40 days? That 40 days says to the people of Nineveh, hey, we got 40 days. You know, we, we got some time, and there's a ray of hope in that, incidentally. If God told us we have 40 days, maybe there's hope. And it says the city will be overthrown, or literally, it's, it's, that word is kind of an interesting word in Hebrew. It literally means it's, it could be turned upside down, and it's going to be turned upside down, just in a different way than Jonah expected or probably even wanted. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. It's concise, it's accurate, 
and it's urgent, isn't it? This is what's going to happen. You're facing, it's, it's a call to repentance because of the 40 days, incidentally. It's accurate. It's urgent. Let me ask you, what's your message? What message has God given you? Do you have it that just kind of rolls out of your mouth in the elevator? At nine years old, I was in the back of a Baptist church. I don't know how, but God got a hold of me. And I knew that he was calling me to be his child and to receive salvation through repentance and faith. And I didn't want to go down there. I thought, to, I thought God, this can wait. This can wait. I'm nine years old for crying out loud. I don't even know why people like girls yet or anything else for that matter. I don't even like vegetables yet. God, what's, what? But God is so loving, so compelling. He moved in a nine-year-old's heart to come to the front of the sanctuary and receive Jesus Christ and save me from my sin as I repented and believed in him. Almost 50 years ago. I'm so grateful for that day. And at 39, I was calling out to God, God, what's next for us? What's next for me? And I was on a river in Missouri. I had an extra day between a business meeting and the arrival of my family, and I spent that time with the Lord. And I said, God, I, I'm not sure what you're telling me, but I think you have something new for us. And it sounds mysterious, but I really believe God was telling me, son, you're, you're wading into the river, and it's time to let go of the bank. It's time for you to follow me into vocational ministry, and you need to answer that call and go wherever this river is taking you, and you have no idea where that is. So grateful. God called me, and I got to follow him, and I get to be here to be your pastor. That's my message. I hope you have a message like that that you can share that you can share with people that's concise, that's accurate, that expresses urgency because the time is short. So what happens to the people of Nineveh? Verse 5. First line is shocking to me. The people of Nineveh believe God. Let me just pause there for a moment. They had lots of gods. They were pantheists. Had lots of gods, and they were constantly trying to please different kinds of gods, and, and they were gods were getting upset with them, and they were they were at all kinds of gods. And the Bible says simply they believed Elohim, they believed God. That whatever God that Jonah was talking about, they were there. They believed God. They called for a fast and they put on sackcloth, sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man, get this, nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed or drink water, verse, three, verse 8, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God, let everyone Turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Verse 9. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger 
so that we may not perish. People are often more ready to respond than we think. Jonah's thinking, that's the city of Nineveh. Those are nasty people. Those are violent people. They were known as some of the most vicious, brutal people ever. They would take their enemies that they conquered, they would bring them back, and they would actually skin them. That was one of the things that they did. These are brutal people, promiscuous people, breaking every law there was. They did whatever they wanted to do. This message, God had prepared them for. Many historians believe at this time the Ninevites were in a state of weakness. They'd had enemy attacks. They'd had plagues. They'd even had, get this, a solar eclipse. That freaked people out back then. Can you imagine suddenly the sun is gone? They're really kind of in a state of, I don't know what's happening here. And let me tell you, there are people like this all around you. They don't really know what's going to happen next. They're concerned. I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, my goodness. And here comes this guy, spit out of a fish, traveled 30 days without a shower probably, and he's speaking to you saying 40 days and Nineveh will be turned upside down. Pretty freaky. See, God's preparing people for his message before he even brings you there to deliver it. I love how they responded. Well, we're, we're going to put on sackcloth, which was a nasty, rough cloth that, that indicated mourning. We're going to fast, which they're thinking, listen, I don't know if this works, but I heard that maybe if you fast, God listens. And I want you to know fasting is not a way for you to manipulate God, but it is a way for you to focus on God. Okay. You don't fast to say, God, I really want a new car, so I'm not going to eat for a week, and I'm sure the car is going to show up. No, that's not how it works. It is a way to say, God, I want to focus on who you are, not on food. But they didn't know that. They're thinking, we're going to fast. We're going to sit in ashes. We're going to put uh, rough clothing on. Another thing we're going to do, we're going we're to make our animals fast, and we're going to put sackcloth on them. I mean, it's really kind of unbelievable until you walk around one of our neighborhoods in the morning, and you see the clothes our dogs are wearing today, amen? Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Now, if that's you and your dog is dressed up, that's, that's okay, but here's the deal is they're, they're saying every being under our control is going to mourn and fast. They're not going to eat. They're not going to drink, and maybe the crying out of the animals God will hear. There's debate as to whether they actually repented. But when they said, listen, everyone needs to stop the evil that's in his hand. It's a very personal thing. It means everyone's doing evil. Y'all need to stop it. Knock it off. Jesus actually refers to the people of Nineveh as having repented. People are more ready than you think. The Ninevites, at least some of them, seems like all of them, turn from the wicked ways and they cry out to God. And God sees, and God relents. I'm pretty sure God never rejects repentance. God never rejects repentance. You may be thinking today, you know what, you don't know what I did last night, Steve. You don't know what's in my life. You don't know what's in my history. You don't know what I struggle with. God never Write it down in Scripture, rejects repentance. 
His faithful love endures forever. He never rejects repentance. In fact, repentance is the only way to gain God's favor. Verse 10, when God saw that they did what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Do you think prayer makes a difference? God said, I'm going to destroy them. They repent. God doesn't destroy them. Do you think prayer makes, do you think repentance makes a difference? Jonah couldn't have imagined God doing that. I'm sure if I'm Jonah, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go give this message. They're going to ignore me, maybe tar and feather me, maybe stone me, but they're not going to change. What happens? It's one of the, possibly one of the greatest revivals in history. A whole city. Tens of thousands of people turn and worship and obey God, at least for a time. What might God do through you if you were not resistant to his call? What might he do through you if you were to say to God, whatever you want me to do, God, I'm there. Yeah, I'll walk, I'll ride 500 miles on a camel. I'll go to people that I don't like, who I'm not even sure I want you to save. I'll be faithful. And notice this, that Jonah is not... this. There's not enough message here for Jonah to be a great speaker to make this work, right? Because sometimes we think, well, you know, if, if I had the speaking skills, if I had the insight, if I, if I was Jonah. No, Jonah was probably, he didn't even like these people probably. So God uses a man who's a flawed instrument because he's just sharing his message, even though he's probably doing it with bad intent. Couldn't God use you? Couldn't God use Who might need to hear from you this week? You see, the faithfulness is up to you. The results are up to him. The faithfulness is up to you. God, I will share your message. Even though I'm not a good speaker, even though I have all kinds of flaws, even though I'm afraid that someone might ask me, well, what about you? Don't you have sin in your life? I'm afraid. Listen, God used this guy who ran from him to share his message and people respond. Isn't that an amazing thing? The results belong to him. But it's up to you to be faithful. Will you be faithful? You see, if Jesus has done something, say something. I hear this phrase all over, you know. If you see something, say something. I would say this. If Jesus has done something in your life, say something. Yes, if you have to write it out on cards and memorize it, just be able to say your simple story. If he's done something in your life, be ready to say something. Make him known. You don't have to argue and debate. You just need to make Jesus known. There's one more thing I have to share. Um... See this message of Jonah. Go to the last slide, please. I don't know if you have any more time. Right? 
I don't know if there's any more time for you. Your life could change literally the moment you step out of this building. Medical incident, car accident, natural disaster. I don't know if any of us have any more time. Have you received that gift of salvation from Jesus Christ? Have you said, Jesus, I need to have a death and life experience. I need to be born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus. I need to receive that gift of salvation because I'm not ready for this to happen to me in a much, much worse way. It happens every day. Today, if you're a follower of Jesus, will you make him known? Just be faithful. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I urge you, come and receive him. We're going to sing a song, He Leadeth Me. I love that hymn. He leadeth me, oh blessed thought. I, I love the fact that he's leading. If you're not sure, You've received that gift of salvation. If you're not ready for the big event, the big accident, medical emergency, natural disaster, whatever, if you're not ready, I'll, I want you to meet me right here while we're singing. Because I want to give you the same opportunity I had as a nine-year-old. You come meet me right here. Don't wait. And say there might be tomorrow because there might not be tomorrow. Tomorrow might look much differently. Don't wait. When we start to sing, you come and we'll introduce you to Jesus. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If this message spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or on social media. Just tag us at First Baptist Del Rey. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to fbcdelray.com. Hope to see you again next time. God bless. <laughs>